0: Welcome to the Bulletproof Screenwriting Podcast, episode number 56. All writing is a discipline, but screenwriting is a drill sergeant. Robert McKee.
1: Broadcasting from a dark, windowless room in Hollywood when we really should be working on that next draft. It's the Bulletproof Screenwriting Podcast. Showing you the craft and business of screenwriting while teaching you how to make your screenplay bulletproof. And here's your
0: host, Alex Ferrari. Welcome, welcome to another episode of the Bulletproof Screenwriting Podcast. I am your humble host, Alex Ferrari. Now, today's show is sponsored by Bulletproof Script Coverage. Now, unlike other script coverage services, Scott Free, Warner Brothers, The Blacklist, and many, many more. So if you need your screenplay or TV script covered by professional readers, head on over to CoverMyScreenplay.com. The show is also sponsored by my new book, Rise of the Film Entrepreneur: How to Turn Your Independent Film into a Money-Making Business. In it, I discuss how to actually create the film entrepreneur model and how to make money with your film or films and do it again and again so you can actually build a successful career and business. So, if you want to pre order the book, head over to filmbizbook.com. That's filmbizbook.com. Guys, today on the show, we have Jeffrey Calhoun, who is the author of the number one best selling screenwriting book the guide for every screenwriter. From synopsis to subplots, the secrets of screenwriting revealed. Now, it's a bold statement, this book, but apparently somebody likes it because it's number one in screenwriting books on Amazon. Now, Jeffrey is a multi-award-winning screenwriter and is very sought after for his script consultation and script doctoring. And he's also the director of the Script Summit Screenplay Contest and is listed one of the biggest screenplay competitions in the world. Now I wanted to get Jeffrey on the show to talk shop and really dig into his book, The Guide for Every Screenwriter, because you know, it's a pretty bold statement, so I wanted to hear his point of view, how he's doing it, what makes his method different than all the other methods out there, and he definitely came to play and brought the goods in this episode without question. And at the end of the episode, I'm also going to give you links to a screenwriting mentorship, a story concept development service, a script doctor clean and polish service, and assistance with log lines, synopsis, and treatments, all services put on by Jeffrey's company. So without any further ado, let's get into it. Enjoy my conversation with Jeffrey Calhoun. I'd like to welcome the show Jeffrey Calhoun. Brother, how you doing, man? Good man, thanks a lot for having me on. I appreciate it. Oh man, thanks for thanks for being on. We're gonna hopefully drop some knowledge bombs on the screenwriting tribe today. Uh, but before we get going, man, what? Uh, how did you get into the business, man?
2: I actually started on a bet about fifteen years ago.
0: It's the best. It's the best beginning to any story about the filmmaking. <laughs> okay, you get the business yeah, ever. <laughs> yeah, I had, I had no bet.
2: aspirations to be a writer at all.
0: <laughs> all right. So, how did you do it?
2: I had a friend I was working with, and he was an editor on a a local TV show. It was like a morning show. And he wanted to get into screenwriting. So he wanted to motivate himself to write it. So he uh, bet me out of the blue to write a screenplay. It was more like a scriptment. And um, we had like a month to do it. So, you know, I got like, you know, a bunch of books, screenplay and stuff like that. And I wrote it and uh and then we compared and and i i ended up winning but I, you know i was really into it because i'm i'm a little competitive and i don't you know people don't realize that uh so then i set it down in the kitchen table and uh my wife read it she's like hey you know this is pretty good and and i said i, I actually confessed to her, like i really got a kick out of it i really like this thing and uh, which is funny because i'm dyslexic and writing for me is was, was very difficult um, so I ended up trying it again and I just fell in love with it and haven't stopped since.
0: That's amazing. Now, you know, we were talking a little bit about this on, on off air, but there are so many different people and there's a, there's a few screenwriting books out there. There's a couple, <laughs> there's a couple, yeah. There's a, at least there's Sid Field and like save the cat. And I think there's a couple, those. <laughs> maybe, um, maybe one or two other screenwriting books out there. Um, what makes your book, which is called the guide for every screenwriter, which is mm-hmm. a which is a bold sir a bold title in the screenwriting <laughs> space I have to say one of the reasons I caught my eye I was like well who's this guy um, <laughs> what makes your perspective on screenwriting different than uh, than the plethora of other options out there
2: no that's a great question I mean the the title is supposed to wave a flag of course but. Um, I wanted this to be the biggest little book in screenwriting. I wanted this to be a one-stop shop in screenwriting. Because something I found with the industry of, of screenwriting books is that they all kind of specialize in one particular mm-hmm. field. And so you end up having a library of like 20 books. And I wanted to take all of that, condense it into one book while still really honoring these great screenwriting masters. Because uh, I don't believe in reinventing the wheel. You know, and and then write this in a way that is so efficient and fun to read that you can be, you know, going back to it regularly. It could be your desktop book. It could be your back pocket book and um, and really get a lot out of this thing.
0: That's awesome. I guess it's it, you're right. There's a there's well, there's a thousands of books and they all are like because screenwriting is such a vast deep dark hole that you could fall into yeah. i mean you could literally just talk about character arcs for 200 pages you yep. know it's it's and there's actually a book called character arcs which is a twitter page book <laughs> okay there you go uh, you know, there's, so there's multiple ways you do it so to kind of put together a guide that kind of at least hits everything you need and you could always go deeper into any specific yep. field and any specific thing but just something kind of like that reference guide Yeah, Uh, it's a great idea. Now, what advice would you give for filmmakers, you know, because I think genre is a big issue. Uh, Mm -hmm. People, people get pigeonholed in, uh, oh, I'm only the comedy writer, I'm only the action writer, I'm only the romance, romantic comedy guy, or girl, what advice would you give to write in any genre? Because I know a lot of screenwriters out there would love to just jump, like the Coen brothers do. (laughs) Like jump from wherever they want to go and just do it. Any tips?
2: Yeah, man. I, don't limit yourself to genre. Um, I, I have this section of the book called The Myth of Writing What You Know, where people um, think that they should only just stay in their little circle. And that really pigeonholes you as a writer and limits your, your overall vision. Uh, I tell in the book, you know, if you're a horror writer, write a rom-com and just see the difference. Do your research on a rom-com and see the tone, hit the beats. And I even give like methods of how to do that type of research in the book. Um, But really doing that will give you a larger overall breadth of of writing and make you even better and deepen your craft. I mean, me, myself, I can't be married to a particular genre because I work as a as a script doctor or a consultant where I get called in to fix screenplays. I mean, sometimes last minute, like days before shooting, I come in and I do a rewrite. You know, and <laughs> I can't be limited to a, a horror and just say, well, you know, it's a rom-com, you guys are well. Like, I have to be able to come in, right? And right. really kind hit of those, hit those beats and those tones. So I think, yeah, if you want to be a better writer, work outside of your genre, you know, just be brave and
0: do it. And when you're building a screenplay, it is very similar to building a house. You know, the, the bones of all stories are similar if not the same. different. There's different blueprints, let's say, for different kinds of houses, but there's a limited amount of houses you can buy. But generally speaking, the, the bones are the same. The structure, the frame yeah. is all the same. The foundation's the same. It's when mm-hmm. you start designing within those parameters, it's what makes a story, what makes a screenplay work. Every mm-hmm. once in a while, you'll get a Pulp Fiction that kind of is like, well, no, we're just going to build a whole other kind of thing over here. Or there's those kind of films yeah. that just kind of like throw everything upside down but that's very rare generally speaking and even then even when you and I've talked about Pulp Fiction multiple times on the show even if you look at Pulp Fiction if even if you look at Pulp Fiction and you say oh it's so like it's all over the place like if you look at it and you actually find the beats he's hitting the exact beats but and that's what makes that film so ridiculously genius like how do you do that with changing the timeline with jumping back and forth and you're still hitting the beats like that's insanity. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. I know. I mean, Tarantino is a master of structure and he really loves to play with it. And I always respect that when a writer can just play with structure and come with something out of left field. Um, it gives you, um, a good template of like, okay, I can do that now. And then you really start to try and figure out and break that down. So yeah, I agree. The structure is there and and when you start to master that thing, you really start to see the craft change. Another guy, another writer who's like that would be, um, of jonathan nolan you know if you, oh. look at, if you look at westworld the tv show i mean oh my god they're knocking them out of the park the structure is is amazing but it's all there the beats are there especially with that you know full season arc
0: mm-hmm. and that's a whole other like a whole other conversation to talk about series work <laughs> versus <laughs> screenwriting where just like feature work but at the end of the yeah. day though it's similar beats it's similar things yeah. it's just stretched out over a larger budget, uh, or, or a larger time frame, without question. Um, now can you, th- the one thing a lot of screenwriters always, especially young screenwriters coming out is what's a high concept versus a low concept. Sure. That's, that's a big thing. Can you just explain to people what a high and low concept is?
2: Oh, man, thank you. I appreciate that. I actually love talking about this um, because high concept is so huge right now, but I actually have some theories on it. So high concept is really an easily explainable idea. It's something that's easy to market, which is kind of why uh, producers really hop on it, uh, because it it tends to have a wider demographic. So, you know, something like Jurassic Park is a a high concept uh, film because it's, you know, a dinosaur park where the dinosaurs get out and go crazy. It's really easy to explain, but a low concept or also called like a non-high concept is really your character study uh, film. It's the it's the um, indie film where they kind of lean into a character and less about the world and more about how the character sees the world and interacts with the world. And personally, I, I feel that um, high concepts are are getting less popular and you're seeing lower returns. Um, on these films, but you're seeing an uptake in in the low concept character study films. And a ni- nice example I like to use is that new Joker film coming out with Joaquin mm-hmm. Phoenix. I mean, that's a low concept film, mm-hmm. and it's getting it's getting a lot of buzz. And I think you're going to really start seeing that a big uptake in that with the with the market right now.
0: Yeah, I think I think the audience. Well, the thing is that the audience is just getting smarter, man. We're so much yeah. more sophisticated. I mean you know you and i are of, of of similar vintages so you know we um we we've seen hundreds of thousands of hours of entertainment and story and movie. i mean, i must have easily seen tens of thousands of movies in my life oh uh, sure yeah. i mean with without i mean i worked in a video store so i mean for 4 years 5 years something like that so i mean i've seen a lot yeah. of stuff in my day so all of that input and and we're trained, like we're in the business. Yeah. So yeah. can you imagine someone who's not in the business and still like, I always use my wife as the, the barometer. Like if she calls it out, like she's like, Oh, that's that, the character development was just so weak. Wasn't it? And I'm like, who are you? And yeah. I didn't marry yeah. this. Like, I don't understand how you how You Absolutely. know that. She's like, look, I've been living with you for so many years. Something has to have rubbed off at some, some point or another. But when she's talking, I'm like, oh, the car- oh the, there was just no motivation there. Or, oh, this yeah. just, it felt dry or this or that. It's interesting to see people outside the business. And that's what the the reality is of our world now. We're so savvy. And can you imagine the kids coming up now
2: Well, I mean, my my son is, uh, you know, he started writing screenplays and he actually won a bunch of awards. He's 13 now. But when he was 10, before he was really getting getting into screenwriting.
0: So so, so, so let's stop this. Let's stop this right here. Bastard! I can't believe a thirteen-year-old's writing screenplays. <laughs> I didn't even know what a movie camera was at thirteen. Yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> oh no, I can't believe it. <laughs> I, no, I, I had, I had a kid on who's like, yeah, I'm seventeen. I've, I've shot, you know, like six features already, and I've, uh, the, you know, yeah, and I've have. They're on Amazon Prime. I'm making a little bit of money with them, but I really want to wow. take. And I'm like, first of all, we all hate you. to understand that? Right <laughs> away. So let's get that out of the way, and let's move on from there. But no, it's, it's just a different world. Like it's a world that you and I can't even think about because it was just you know it we didn't, didn't have exist. it yeah. it didn't exist yeah. i didn't mean to call your son a bastard i apologize move on <laughs> 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 all right so you're saying so
2: i want to tell him
0: all right so uh, he really started at 10 years old so that well, even makes yeah, it we better were, we were just,
2: we were sitting in a theater and this is before he started writing um yeah. and we got through a movie and i don't want to name it but he looked over to me and he goes that character development was Terrible. And the ending of the movie totally destroyed the arc. And I was like, whoa, hold on a second.
0: Please name it. Please name it. I
2: I don't want to name it.
0: It's Justice League. It's Justice League. Go ahead. (laughs) ahead.
2: He had issues with that one too. I'm sure. Uh, But I looked at him and I was like, do you want to do what daddy does? And he's like, I'll give it a shot. So then he wrote his little screenplay. That's
0: awesome.
2: Yeah, yeah, it was cool. Yeah. So, I mean, they're just, they get it. You know, they've seen the same beats, like you said, and they've kind of learned it through osmosis.
0: Right. Exactly. I mean, the things like you know, when I read Sid Field's book, that was the first time, I think for a lot, for an entire generation. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was like the book that everyone was like, what? We all, the sa- it's all the yeah. same story. At, at 20 minutes, something happens at this time. It happens here. Like that was mind blowing to me. And I wasn't even in, I think I was just, I wasn't even in film school. Or I just got out in film school when I read that. It was insane when I read that. And now that's common knowledge. Like the hero's journey, everybody yeah. knows the hero's journey. Like, you know, it's just something that's built into our psyche at this point in the game. So I, that would make sense why high concept movies are starting to waver. And yeah. The Joker is a really great example of that. I was going to ask you, where where does the Matrix fall in because the Matrix is not high concept. It isn't it isn't. Cuz you yeah, can't pitch that. That balance, in. doesn't it? Yeah, you can't pitch that in in a sentence. <laughs>
2: Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. Uh, they definitely lean into the the monomyth figure, though, the, sure. the the holy figure that way. And so I think by doing that, they're able to to lean into the intercharacter character relationships and then they really explore that world. And exploring that world is definitely a high concept take. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, I think they strike that balance, which is incredibly difficult, you know.
0: That's why it's a, it's a masterpiece. I mean, that first yeah. one.
2: Oh, that's classic. I mean, it, it, that's why I use it in the book.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, there's, there's certain movies that come out and they just kind of change things. And the matrix was definitely one of those films when it came out, it definitely changed things without question. Now, can you, um, can you, can you give me some ideas of how to create a high concept uh, project, some tips?
2: Um, well, I think one of my favorite tips is to find a classic and then put a nice twist on it. And that is that is a good way to to get into a high concept with with something that's original, but yet yeah, put your own husband in in Like I think of um, what was the ones Chris Hemsworth and Snow White. It's like Snow White and
0: the Huntsman, oh, yeah, yeah, the Huntsman, you know? or, or the Monte yeah. of Monte Cristo, or something along those lines. So.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think that that doing that, and then just when you're coming up with your concept, you want to just keep bringing it down and making it simple and more simple and easy to understand because. When you get into concepts that are like two, three, four cents, as long as it's too much, you got to cut it down, make so, it easier, make it easier.
0: So what's an, uh, when you're saying make it easier? You're just thinking is like simple, simplify the story. So like Jurassic simplify Park. the story. So Jurassic Park is so simple. It's like it's a dinosaur park where the dinosaurs are alive. I mean that that pretty yeah, much that's is the, it. that's the sales page. Yeah. That's the sales that's page. Um, yeah. You know but what is like the superhero genre is so monstrous right now. Uh, and it's, I mean, it is, it is the film industry. If you take out Marvel, it's huge right now. If you take Marvel away from the film industry over the last 10 years, they would have, I mean, seriously, $20 billion would be gone. Like simply.
2: No, yeah. They're, they're, they're definitely huge. They've, they've, they've created their own marketing, kind of saved the industry in several ways, which is just crazy.
0: It's in, it's in, it is insane. I mean, we could talk a little bit about Marvel. St- I mean, because I, I, and I, I don't want to do the Marvel DC thing, but I see a Marvel character in your background. So I, am assuming you're a Marvel guy. I see an yeah. Iron Man, okay. I, I, a little bit more. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I see. Cause you're Star Wars and Marvel. I'm, I'm assuming you're Marvel. Um, yeah. I like stories. I mean, I like DC movies as well. There I mean, I love Batman and all that stuff though. Arguably Batman is the only Marvel character in the DC universe, but that's a whole other conversation. If you think okay. about it, if you think, no, you th- no, I, had a,
2: I, yeah, I can see it. <laughs> so yeah,
0: I'd love to ask, I'd love to ask story, um, you know, gurus or alchemists, if you will, why Marvel has made it so been so successful. Oh and yeah. DC has not. And they, and you know, and I, I, well, be- I I mean, I beat up Justice League so much because it is, it is the lowest hanging fruit there was. Like you're yeah. talking about the five, four or five biggest superheroes. With the biggest, you know, no, you know, like no one knew the hell Iron Man is the Avengers. <laughs> like I these know. were all B C characters, a, a B
2: character, and they nailed. I mean, but you got to look at the casting, though. I mean, no, you, but it was the you casting, own that it's the casting,
0: character. Oh, no, yeah. it, it, there's you know Thor, you know, like Black Widow. Like, are you kidding me? Like Hawkeye. Like you, all the work that had to be built to build up that entire movie, where literally all you had to say is, Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman are going to be in this movie. That's all you have to say, and everybody in the world knows what that is, and they screwed it up so royally that it's upsetting. <laughs> like, no. It was literally upsetting. So, uh, in your opinion, what do you think Marvel has done, and why their films have hit so many beats and so much success, when yeah. is the DCs haven't? We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
1: chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary VTW void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus
0: and now back to the show
1: as well, much it's the long
2: game for Marvel because the brilliant thing they've done is with each film they release they release it in a different type of tone so you'll have you know Captain America Civil War is more like a World War II film mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sorry, is more like a spy thriller, whereas Captain America was more like, you know, World War II. Um, but then you have Thor Ragnarok, that's obviously a comedy. So they, they keep releasing it it's and like they change a, it up. It's like
0: a psychedelic comedy.
2: Yeah. It's <laughs> awesome. The colors, and it was just oh, amazing. My Vibrant, yeah. Oh. I mean, so so they keep changing it up, you know. And the Marvel movies that don't do well are the Marvel movies where they don't have that really interesting new type of tone where it freshens it up. Um, whereas DC, they kind of kept trying to just, uh, imitate, you know, the dark night and go dark and dark and dark. Um, and the audience kind of got tired of it. And so by the time they brought, you know, Wonder Woman and Aquaman, and I think it was too late because they were changing up the tone there a bit. Um, and then they just leaped right into the Justice League, but the groundwork wasn't laid the way it needed to be. Um, so you get, a, you get a film that tonally is all over the place. It's dark and somber, but then it's funny and then it's a buddy comedy, but we don't really know the characters and their relationships aren't really that well defined. So I actually think about this a lot and I feel that DC is better suited for uh, television. I think if they were given a bit longer of a game on television, um, I think they would be far more successful. And Marvel will continue to be rocking out these films in their phase. What are they in? Phase 20 now? Three. Um, phase three. Three or four. Yeah, I, think phase, phase four. Yeah. I think it's phase four. I think it's phase four. And, and you're going to see more and more. Um, various, uh, to- uh, 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 genres coming out. I think with that black widow, it's going to be another spy thriller. And, um, and you'll see really cool stuff like that. I mean, they're bringing in Shang-Chi, right? So that's going to be like a Kung Fu action film. It's totally different. I mean, when's the last right. time you see that? I mean, so and, I, I and also,
0: and also Natalie Portman's going to be the new Thor eventually. Yeah. So that's yeah. going to be like insane. Yeah, like, cool. I mean, it's, there's so much cool, you know. And then Blade's coming back, but Blade being done within the world of the Marvel, the MCU. Right. Right.
2: Um, and they're talking about bringing Deadpool in. So that could be really oh, interesting. We haven't even you know? talked
0: about X Men, Deadpool, Wolverine <laughs> with, you know, fighting along the side. Like, they haven't even. We haven't even spoken about Fantastic Four and all these other. Yeah. Oof. Oh God, X Men, and maybe we'll finally get a real Fantastic Four movie. <laughs> oh,
2: man. That's going to be a hard one to figure out. That'd be a tough. I would. I would like that challenge just because that's such a tough nut to crack.
0: It's well, they've tried it a bunch of times and they have not been able to hit it. But look, man, they made Ant Man. I know. I mean, they made. Ant Man. They made which parties, is a, which is
2: a heist film, right?
0: Which is a heist film, yeah, heist film. Both of them. But the, the, and and Wasp is kind of like a romantic yeah. heist film, like yeah, a exactly. will they, won't they? Kind of when Harry met Sally. I, I,
2: another, another different genre, right? So they just and, keep hitting these different genres throughout each film.
0: And they made Guardians of the Galaxy. Are you like we're not even on the B or C level characters? That was <laughs> no. basically the bottom of the bargain bin like knew, nobody so. everyone was like what did you ever see the um the saturday night live skit about like guardians of the galaxy about marvel like guardians mm-hmm. of the galaxy is coming out and you know what we're marvel so f you because we do, <laughs> we could do whatever we want we're going to have a talking raccoon and you you're not going to love it why cuz we're marvel
2: that's awesome
0: <laughs> we're going to have a talking tree why cuz we're marvel what are you going to do watch dc <laughs> it's just brilliant it is brilliant Really skit. Uh, all right, so we've gone off this. I, I've gone on the tangent. I do those tangents every once in a while with the Marvel stuff. All right. right. but we'll get okay. we'll we'll get back we'll get back to the screenwriting. But it's important because I want I want people to understand why those characters and why those movies have resonated in a way that no other series ever in the history of films that has done. Yeah. and there's something to be studied there, uh, and to lay down that they laid down the work, they took the time. You know, if they imagine if they would have brought out the Avengers before Thor. Mm. or before um what was it Thor or Captain America and they just kind of threw yeah. these characters like, it would just have never it, together. it would have never worked
2: well, it, it goes back to what we talked about earlier about trying out different genres you know obviously marvel has proven you know doing these different genres can lead to success so as a as a screenwriter why would you ever want to limit yourself to a genre
0: yeah and that and i've never actually i've never thought about it before like that with the marvel films being different genres but they are they're yeah. all they're all they all have the good ones like you know you watch a uh, Winter Soldier that's just an amazing spy thriller absolutely it's kind of like when you watch Dark Knight well that's just heat that's just a great yeah. that's just heat with a it's with heat. a superhero yeah. it's, it's heat it with is. a superhero and a crazy yeah. man it's amazing. it's really really good um now you also talk about mind mapping in your book what is mind mapping in your in your opinion
2: oh man mind mapping is so useful and 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 Really underutilized. So all my mapping is is just a way of uh, an exercise to create freeform thought. Mm-hmm. So you just write down whatever your you know concept is in a middle bubble, whether it's a concept or a character or something like that that you want to build off of. And then you create branches of ideas. And the really fun thing about this is to not be married to any particular idea and just let your imagination go wild and crazy. And then when you come off with another idea, you do like little sub branches and then you kind of cross out what you don't like and what you like and you circle. And then you just kind of follow it around and you you create this beautiful myriad tree of ideas. And then you're able to come up with with what you're looking for. And um, it's amazing. And if you do it in a public place, it's really cool because then you start getting influenced by your surroundings and actually did it with a uh, with a new writer a little while ago who couldn't come up with a with a killer concept. Right. So we sat down and they wrote down their their concept idea and then started doing all these crazy branches. And within 15 minutes, they had everything figured out.
0: (laughs) It's amazing. It's amazing. Are there any tips you have for mind mapping?
2: I'd say mind mapping is just be free with it. Don't, don't worry about going crazy. Um, just, you know, let it happen. You do it in a public place um, and, and don't be overly judgmental of it. And like I said, if you want to use the environment and, um, you know, you can even do fun things like write down sounds or noises if that even triggers something in your mind and just kind of let that flow happen.
0: It's kind of like turning on the faucet and just whatever comes out comes out, basically.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, your subconscious is always working on this stuff. Like if you're writing a script and say you get stuck at a point, I say go take a little time off and come back, you know, while you're out cooking dinner or running errands. Your brain is working on it. And then when you come back and you sit down you like finish that scene, and oh, it's a miracle. Um, Well, (laughs) it's the same thing with with developing a concept. So if you can just sit down and then just let – all predisposition goes, and just sit down and just "Okay, I'm just going to create this now. I'm just going to write down whatever happens." Um, then you're going to get some really cool stuff coming out.
0: Now, what is the biggest mistake you see with first-time screenwriters? That
2: they think it's easy.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, obviously, it's easy. All you need is final yeah. draft and an idea, yeah. right? And you yeah. should just and you should just get the million-dollar check any day now. No,
2: that's not how it works. That's how it work for you, right?
0: I, I, I've done that four <laughs> times by myself, sir. Just four times, and yeah, that was this bad. week, and that was this. <laughs> <week>. <laughs> that was right before lunch. <laughs> before uh, lunch. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No, that they, they think it is
2: that they think it's easy. Um, that that they don't have to do things like format and structure. Or uh, when I meet with new writers, they say, "Well, do I have to do it this way?" And I'm just like, "Ugh." <laughs> I mean, yes. You know,
0: it's, do I have to hit the nail in the wood? To yes. to build the house, do yeah. I exactly? No, that's perfect. That's an right. exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, no. It's just cool I want to. I want to use duct tape. I think it's prettier, and it'll be fine. What could yeah. go yeah. wrong? <laughs> yeah. What is it about our industry that in filmmaking and in screenwriting that you you like anybody feels like they they can do it? Like oh, you yeah. don't listen to an, a, a, a symphony and go, oh yeah, I could do that. Or <laughs> like, you know, you, you, you don't, you don't go like, you know what? Today I'm going to go build a house. I've never yeah. built a house before. I've seen it on TV. I've seen I've I've watched the HGTV. So I'll, I'll, I'm, sh- I'm I'm sure it's not that hard. And I'm also going to mortgage my house. yeah I'm going to mortgage my house. I'm going to take $200,000 out of my house, take a credit line off my house. And I'm going to build this house that I've never had any experience yeah. doing. What could go wrong? I'm
2: going I'm, I'm to build this house <laughs> because I saw one on the street. <laughs> so obviously <laughs> I know how to do it.
0: We're right. the only industry, there's the only industry that does that. Like, I yeah. mean, yeah. other than being an entrepreneur where people are like, oh, I can, I can run a business, but it's, it's like, even that it's just like, ugh. well, I, when I <laughs> teach seminars
2: on this stuff and I sit down and, and I tell people like screenwriting is the most difficult literary art that exists. It is, it and is. I just kind of watch everybody's eyes glaze over. Like it doesn't land, you know? But like writing a book is is forgiving. Like you can write in whatever voice you want. You can you know you do you do a haiku. You just hit the beats. You know you can write a poem. There's a lot of free form with that. But when you write a stage play or a screen or a screenplay, I mean you've got to write something that some producer is going to consider for you know hundred thousand to a million dollars. Well now you're going to write something that has to be very specific and deliberate, and it's not open to. Um, you know uh, your 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 willingness to just kind of do what you want to do. Like you have to do it a very specific way.
0: You can play around, but within the box, there is a box exactly. you've got to fill up. And I can tell you, being an author, I'm sure you as well. Writing a book is so much easier than writing a screenplay. Like infinitely, I <laughs> yeah. sat down and I wrote a book. I was like da 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 da. Like I'm like, oh, I could just I could just write. I don't have to worry about beats. Oh, I don't have to yeah, worry about yeah. like structure, like basic grammar structure. But that's basically yeah. what a paragraph in a sentence is. And that's basically all I have to worry about. Oh, it's it was so free. I,
2: yeah, like I look at screenwriting is the hardest, most difficult, soul crushing, best, wonderful, amazing thing you can do. Um, mm-hmm. But writing this book was just like, this is fun. <laughs> <laughs> This is fun. <laughs> this is
0: yeah. – e- exactly. It is It is something – and I hope everyone if, – if there's any new film, uh, screenwriters listening to this, it's exactly what we're saying it is. It is soul-crushing. It is brutal, but yet wonderful, lovely, amazing. Uh, but you've got to love it. Uh, yeah. You've, you got to love what you're doing, man. No, there's,
2: just, there's, there's a quote that uh, you just reminded me of that I think Jonathan Nolan says, I hate writing, but I love having written.
0: Oh, it's a great quote. Oh, man, that is an amazing quote. Um, And then I think it's it's Hemingway who said, writing is easy. All you got to do is sit at the typewriter and bleed.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: (laughs) It's so true. So true. Now, I wanted to talk a little bit about log lights because it's something that we – we hear about and screenwriters are like, oh, you have, have you have to have a good log line. You have to have a compelling log line. First yeah. of all, to let everybody listening know what a log line is and <clears throat> any tips on creating a compelling log line.
2: So, a log line is just a one to two sentence breakdown of your story, really. Um, it has to be. Efficient, brutally efficient, it has to be interesting. You have to hook the reader. Um, it can't be boring, it can't be overly wordy. And I have a template in the book on how to efficiently write one and kind of create that hook for it as well.
0: Excellent. Uh, because it's 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 not easy writing a log line. Like if writing a screenplay oh my is hard. If writing a screenplay is hard. Like Boyle. Yeah, boil yeah. down those 90 pages yeah. into a sentence or two. Good luck. Oh God. I, when I had to write <laughs> ones for like my short films that I did back in the day, I was just like, it, they were paragraphs. I'm like, dude, it's a short film. If you can't get this out in a sentence, dude, it's, it's it's 10 minutes, man. Let's, let's move it along. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And one thing I was, I also want to talk to you about, and, and this is something that writers, cause I've read a lot of scripts in my day, especially young writers, they, they will bust out the the the, the 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 thesaurus out in in your script, and you will start getting these fifty seventy five cent words oh. out there, even some dollar fifty words. Um oh, man. And it's just like this this hodgepodge. And I'm reading it. I'm like, dude, if I gotta look, I'm like, I, I yeah. feel myself. I'm fairly literate. I <laughs> you know, I, I read. I personally read around two to three books a week, you know, I, I, I I try to my, I really try to consume as much information as possible, man. If I've got to look up the word, it's probably, it shouldn't be here. It shouldn't be, you know? So can you, can you please just talk about, stop trying to show off your English lit degree?
2: (laughs) That's really interesting. Um, yeah, writing a screenplay when you're reading it, it needs to be um, it needs to be pleasant to the eye. So mm-hmm. you don't want it overly wordy. So you want to be Spartan with your words. You know, when I do like action blocks, it's about four lines. I don't do five. I don't do more than that. I do four lines because it makes my scripts just a breeze for a read. I um, mean, you want to be efficient with with your description. But if you start pulling out those dollar fifty words. You're not impressing anybody, and if you're frustrating them, um, they're not going to want to keep reading your script. I don't want to be looking up words. You know, right. what I mean, you know, there's, there's, uh, you know, instead of saying "very tired," you can say "exhausted." Sure, that's easy, but if you start getting into something crazy, uh, you're not impressing anybody. You know, the, the, the goal, and I mentioned this is, is that my job is to glue you to your chair with my words. If you're reading my my script and you have to go to the bathroom, I want your bladder to be killing you because you can't get up and walk away from the script because you need to know what happens. And I'm not going to do that if I'm if I'm getting crazy with uh, with really fancy words. It's not going to happen.
0: Because there is a a plethora, a cornucopia, if you will, sir, of options. Um... <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> exactly
0: by by if anyone please look up cornucopia uh <laughs> if you want do not use that in a screenplay it's no. it's it's a red flag can you imagine yeah. it's like the the uh, he ran ran into the store where there was a cornucopia of, of gun options can, could you imagine if you read that line it's so pretentious it's like yeah. It's a lot of. I want to. I want
2: to. I want to buy that script right
0: now. <laughs> exactly. I think that's <laughs> just, a dog saves. Script. A I think that's a dog saves Christmas movie. I'm not sure, but uh, <laughs> which is obviously pre-sold in multiple multiple markets around the world right away. Yes.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, that's another thing I wouldn't mind talking about. Is 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 aiming your script, making your script marketable, because oh, there's yeah. there's something that's that screenwriters also don't do a lot of is think about uh specifically about oh is my script even marketable is my script even doable am i presenting this script to the right producer if you're if you made a 200 million if you wrote a 200 million dollar visual effects extravaganza and you give it to a producer who's used to making one to two million dollars and most of their movies are the dog saves christmas movie that goes straight to hallmark yeah. that and you're, you're like what nobody understands nobody understands me no, dude, you, you, like, you, didn't, you didn't do market research. You've got to figure out. They don't understand my gene. They don't understand my gene. There's a cornucopia of scripts out there. No. Yeah. <laughs> I have a cornucopia of awards. <laughs> exactly. Oh, God. That is the word of the day, everyone. Cornucopia. Um, it. But it's so true. So they don't they – don't start. I mean, look, it's an art form. So we, we want to write a story that just means something to us. That's great. Mm-hmm. And you should write that. And it's, it's fairly cheap to do so. You can write whatever you want. It's the cheapest part of this entire process, sure, uh, without question. But if you, but what are your end goals when you start writing? And that's, I think, something that is not talked about a lot is like to actually sit down and go, okay, I'm going to write this story what is my goal with this story? Is it for me? Is am I something that I'm going to try to produce? Is it something I'm going to make for a few you know, hundred thousand dollars? Am I going to try to sell this? What can I do? If I am going to yeah. try to sell this, what can I do? What can I put in that script that's going to give me a better chance? How can I load up the script, if you will, with things that are going to make me more appetizing for purchase or for actually a movie to go into production? What advice do you have?
2: Well, I, and it's funny that you mentioned this, because I, I was literally talking about this a couple nights ago with a young screenwriter. Um, and he was frustrated with, um, you know, a, a lack of direction with his writing. And I I tell everyone I have a strategy whenever I plan to do anything with this craft. Um, I strategize if I want To get an indie horror film made, I look at the market, I look at the demographic I want to work in, I look at the budget I want to work in, and then I hone a screenplay around that and then approach producers who are making those films and then pitch it to them in a way that they want to hear it. And so when they say, Wow, this is great, I I think I want to option this, it all makes sense because it's all lined up. I've set myself up for success. No one else is going to make you but you. So you can't just you know, write this crazy $300 million feature and then send it out to people, wonder why they don't want it. You have to set yourself up for it. Um, So yeah, I mean, strategize and plan. You know, outside of like hiding in some producers' bushes, I'm not saying it wouldn't work, but I'm not saying it's it's probably not the
0: best plan. Don't do that, dude, don't do that. Let's let's just put that out there. Yeah, don't do that. that. Don't don't hide in the bushes, don't stalk. (laughs) Um, generally speaking, don't stalk them. Don't try to, don't run, do not approach them in the bathroom. Yeah,
1: do not, that's not, a that's
0: not a, Like as, as he's, as he's like unzipping, you're like, I can't, do you have a second? <laughs> that's
2: do when you have, use your
0: log line. That's what I do. Like, I, I just need two seconds. It's about okay. a park with dinosaurs. Get out. <laughs>
2: but it's not called Jurassic Park. So, um. It's, right. it's called Carna. It's called Carnosaur.
0: Carnosaur, so, it's fantastic. Yeah. Oh, Roger yeah. Corman, baby. You're, you're welcome. So, <laughs> um,
2: yeah, just just strategizing, and there's ways to, there's ways to do it. There's ways to find the connections that you need to get there and and get your script to where it needs to go, and and always have a plan. And by doing that, you're setting yourself up to succeed.
0: Can you please uh, tell me your opinion? And I, I think I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask it anyway because I want this information out on this episode. A professional writer does not spend five years on a script. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Okay, round two. Name something that's not
1: boring.
2: A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire,
0: huh?
1: Ah, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
0: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
1: Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time.
0: A professional no. writer has 20 scripts in their, in their desk or on their laptop. And they're not precious about any of them. They might be more passionate about some of them, but they're not precious. And that's a, a professional writer. Is that yeah. a fair statement to say?
2: Oh, I, I think that's a hundred percent accurate. I mean, I mean, as far as gigs go, I have a nine week turnaround time. I can do it and I've done it in six, but I don't take, I don't take three years to write a script. Um, but you know, you know because, but you
0: know, but you do know those screenwriters who've been on that screenplay for like, and every time you oh run man. into them, I'm like, "How's that script going? Almost there." Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, "Oh, so close! I'm almost there." Have you been working on anything else? No, man, yeah. just focusing all my energy. Just on this, this one script, yeah. And in
2: the meantime, I've sold two scripts and I've got one produced, you know. And, and so, and like my career is is going where it needs to go, and they're just stuck. And then I just want to like shake them, but you know, that's that's where they're at. Um, so yeah, the the other thing is is our job is to make a product that the producer, the director, really wants um, to see come to fruition. And if that means they need their voice in there somehow, or they need things changed in a particular way, um, we're not here to fight and argue and and and, and attack. We're here to like yes all right, give me whatever notes you have. I love notes. I want this thing to be the best possible it can for you. And and then you make that happen. And so, I mean, that's always been my my attitude. And it's, it's I mean, producers like to work with me. So mm-hmm. I'm assuming it's the right attitude. <laughs>
0: An- another mistake that I've seen a lot of is, and I did it back in the day because I'm a director, for th- first and foremost, but I would write in my screenplays, camera direction dolly oh. dolly in crane up uh things like that or you start creating the visuals of the film right. so detailed that's also a sign of like unless you're directing it yourself and you financing it yourself it's it's difficult i mean maybe if you're a writer director you might be able to get away yeah. with that but if okay. you're not the writer director and it's a it's a work for hire or if it's a product that you're trying to get sold a director reads it and it's like oh i don't i don't need anybody telling me how to shoot this exactly
2: yeah, no, I, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, we are the screenwriters. Our jobs are to create the story, but we're not the costume designer. You know, we're not we're not the, the set designer. We're yeah. not the we're not the director. We're not the cinematographer. There's there's subtle kind of cool ways that you can make that happen mm-hmm. suggestively, mm-hmm. but you don't have to be married to it. Um, and the other issue with camera directions is one thing I, I hear back is Um, I'll hear, well, I really love your voice as a writer. Well, if you're lost in camera directions, the, the reader, the director, producer, they can't hear your voice as a writer because it's hidden behind those camera directions. And that actually cuts into your creativity as well.
0: Now, another big, uh, thing I'd love to talk about is the reading script versus the shooting script. And, (laughs) oh man, is that a big difference. Can you talk a little bit about the difference between those two?
2: Yeah, well, so the shooting script is what we just talked about. It's it's chock full of camera directions, and it's it's created specifically for production. Um, the reading script is a script that we, as a screenwriter, writes to make this thing um, be really interesting to to what to create what I call the theater of the mind. So as you're reading, you know, you read a lot. So as you're reading your books or you're reading the script, you start to see the script happen. You start to see it become a movie. You've casted it in your mind and and the, and the, and it happens as a play in your mind. Um, so that can't really happen with camera directions because the camera directions pull you out of the story. If you're if you've written a really great script that reads well and is beautiful and isn't overly wordy and you don't have a dollar 50 words in there and it's natural, then that theater of the mind kicks in. Um, and then they're able to become lost in the story and they walk away with a, uh, a positive feeling for it.
0: Yeah. Without question. Now, can we talk a little bit about the difference between sympathetic versus empathetic characters? Because that's again, another confusion (laughs) that I see a lot of.
2: Yeah, they're two different things. So sympathetic is when I know you're hurting and I understand that as a fellow human, you're hurting and I and I feel bad for you. But empathetic is um, we'll say uh, I see you're being abused and I can feel that pain because I've been abused. And so it runs deeper into my core and I have a stronger emotional attachment to you as a person or on film as a character and um you mentioned the dark knight so a really cool thing about that film is they tried creating empathy for the joker character by consistently changing his origin story
0: yeah yeah he keeps telling the different origin story of how he yeah. got a smile which is which is brilliant which is yeah. brilliant and and uh, you know to talk about dark knight for just a quick second i mean i've never seen such a perfect villain for the hero, like yeah, it's great. Like the Joker as a villain works only because of Batman, and vice mm-hmm. versa. Like you can't put the Joker in another movie, and he's not going to play the same. You can't no. put the Joker in Indiana Jones. Like it's not, you know, you can't put Batman yeah. versus Darth Vader. It, 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 the, the, to create a, a, a good villain, you need to create basically a polar opposite, right? Mm-hmm. And that's basically what that is. Do you agree? Yeah.
2: Absolutely. I mean, it's that order versus chaos. I mean, that's why the Joker doesn't work very well in team ups, because it's just too too random. Um, And, and, you know, things like Luke and Vader, they're polar opposites. Um, and And it really plays thematically and with the character arc as well. If you do the character arc right, you can have that villain character arc will be the polar opposite of the hero arc throughout the story.
0: Now, what is what is what makes a good hero, in your opinion? Yeah. So
2: I think, yeah, a character that has, um, yeah, deep empathy. So some, somebody that you can feel for and understand what they're going through and why they're going through it. Um, somebody who's, who's written with kind of universal human truths involved in them. So if you kind of infuse, uh, a hero character with, um, Someone suffering with loneliness or they don't feel like they belong or trying to overcome some kind of internal sabotage mechanism that, um, or you know, the loss of a loved one, things that we've all gone through as the human experience. If you can infuse that in a character and then you put them on a journey through through this arc of them going through this pain and then learning to overcome it um, makes a great character, because when we're watching these films um, and we're watching this character and we, and we and we really attach to this character, eventually we're not really rooting for the character anymore. We're actually rooting for ourselves because we want to succeed ourselves. So when we see this character going through this, we envision it as us and not them, which is why you want to have this character have an arc that is satisfying because I want to win as a person. So if I see them win, I win. And there's this moment of catharsis and release That happens within us, which is why you see like a movie that does really well in an act two and an act three Mm -hmm. or an act one and an act two, but kind of loses it in an act three and people go nuts. um, It's because they didn't get that. They were hooked to this character. They love this character. And then the ending made them feel wanting and um, that reflects as as a lashing out at the story.
0: Can you give us an example of some uh, anti-character, anti-heroes? That are um, yeah. like like are so. I love antiheroes. Like you also know, like Logan
2: was. An yeah, anti- you
0: read you, you read, know, read my un,
2: mind. Unforgiven, Unforgiven was an oh. antihero. Um, yeah. you know, Deadpool in ways, but he kind of borders on the parody as well. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so these guys that are, are kind
0: of like. Let's 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 analyze Logan for a second. What makes sure. him like Wolverine as a character is such a he's such a for lack of a... I don't want to bust out Shrek, but he's like an onion. He has multiple yeah. <laughs> layers to yeah. him. He's, he, there's a reason why that character has is the most popular character in the X-Men universe. And... Has been able to grow, and obviously the casting with Hugh Jackman is yeah, amazing. That's I mean, amazing. I don't even know how they're going to do another one. But oh uh, man, we, yeah, we, we said the same. we said, said that about
2: Batman too. So yeah, you
0: know. it, it's always the same thing. But we haven't seen it yet. With the same thing with Iron Man, eventually they will. There will be another Iron Man one day. Yeah. but how is yeah. that going to be? I don't know. But Logan, can we analyze Logan? What makes what 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 are, what are the characters clicking in Logan? Because obviously there's a lot sure. of history oh, that the to. audience. L- has has brought to the movie you know like yeah. like like marvel when they start up avengers end game um there's or even avengers uh infinity war like n- there's no conversation about who these people are there's no conversations about what's going on they just it's they just assume that you've been on for the ride for the last 10 years yeah
2: yeah i mean it's just yeah. avengers is all high concept and and it's just action and let's get to it they do weave in some subplots and and some um some um theme there going on with, with the Avengers about teamwork and and, and regret. But the, the interesting thing about Logan, and I think what makes him really empathetic is a couple of reasons. One is he's a character that craves to have people in his life, but he pushes them away. And I mean, that's like, we all suffer with that. And another thing is resentment. He has a lot of resentment about the decisions he's made in his life. And I mean, who doesn't regret, you know, something they did in their life and so by, by putting that in this character and then watching him go through this arc especially with the little girl um, where he opens his you know her, his heart to her um, eventually and then sacrifices himself to see that type of thing I mean if you're a parent you're on board with this you know, right away. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think those are the things that really kind of bring you into this, on top of the whole fact that it's actually a Western and people don't realize it, or that, you know, he's the, he's the lone wolf that we've loved, and he's, he's coming to the end of his journey. On top of all that thing, putting in the, the resentment, the fact that he craves to be loved but can't let himself love, and putting these things in there and then just subtly hitting those beats um, is... And- this one does
0: it, and then he's and that he's also fighting his younger self in the oh, movie. Yeah. Oh, I mean I that's guess. just a whole other uh, yes. the whole so other layer it. of stuff yeah, to it. I argue, I always tell people, I argue that Dark Knight's still probably the best overall superhero film of all time, but Logan is probably a close second in my, my opinion. It's solid. Yeah. It's so it should have been Oscar nominated in my opinion. It was so absolutely because you take away the superhero aspect of it, it's still just it's it works. It's a western. Yeah, it, it, it works. It works without question. Um, now, uh, what do you have? Any other tips on um, creating great characters in general, villains and heroes?
2: Um. Yeah, I mean, making them likable, obviously making them unique and interesting, giving them some internal conflict that actively sabotages their external conflict is really important um so and we talked about that with Logan um putting them on a journey that that doesn't leave any threads undone so making sure that they have that that resolution in the end is incredibly important um making sure you have supporting characters that that reflect um aspects of the hero um that that allows them to interact and and show aspects of the hero that you need to sell to the audience in order to really get them behind. You are they likable? Are they, are they frustrated? Are they angry? You know, you know, like, like, uh, Logan's relationship with, uh, with, um, Professor X, for instance, (sighs) you know, his, his relationship there is definitely, uh, uh, one of a son who has to keep, take care of an elderly father, so there's the regret and the resentment that he has to do that, but then a deep love for him, and then moments of where he's embarrassed by his dad, you know, like at the almost uh, killing,
0: uh, almost at, killing everybody because he has a seizure. Got it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, you
2: know, there's there's all these these moments, and building in that relationship allows us to see different aspects of Logan, um, and kind of get into that onion that you're talking about.
0: Now, is uh, what can screenwriters do to get their work read by the right people? I mean, that's a big question, but I was just curious. <laughs> yeah, what you thought. Um-
2: Oh no! I, I, you know, I do things uh, um, like you, you, do your research and find who who wants to read it. So, are you talking about getting it produced or getting it or getting it kind of rewritten? Or? No,
0: getting it read by the right, like either getting sold yeah, or sure. getting produced or getting a, a writing assignment from it. Like, who, yeah. how, how, any advice on get? Because look, we all know that there's a thousand script. I mean, I literally, I've been in 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 rooms and studios where there's a wall from floor to ceiling just piled up with screenplays. Yeah. That if they've been read once, it's amazing. There's so much competition out there. So what can you do to set yourself apart? I mean Bes- I, besides write the greatest screenplay ever written.
2: Yeah, other than writing that killer script that we know you have inside of you. Um yes. networking, I think, is huge for this for this industry. Um, film festivals is a great way to network, getting out there making connections with, with that script. And the really cool thing about networking is you just don't know where it's going to go uh i met the very first person i ever networked with we we are still friends to this day we um still uh, have each other's back when things go wrong or we promote each other when things go great and we kind of you know help each other out as our careers get better so like the rising tides lifts all all ships um so i think networking is huge um outside of that if you're looking to like i want to get it to this guy and i'll never be able to meet him you just do your research find out you know who's who's reading for this producer you can do that on imdb IMDb pro or you can find it on um, you know there's books that tell you who to find and then you send out your query letters outside of that i mean uh getting a manager and isn't isn't as crazy difficult as everybody thinks it is. It's just about forming that relationship with the manager and making sure that there's someone that can um, get you to where you need to go because managers are like a great key to a door. So because querying can 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 lead to more querying and you can kind of get addicted to it like a slot machine um, and not get any returns. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but if you foster, you know, a relationship with a manager over time and then they decide to, you know, take you on if they believe in you, um, you know, lots of doors open for you.
0: Can, can you please just tell everybody to, to do some damn research before they query anybody? When I get a link to a screenplay, they're like, Hey Alex, I need you to read my screenplay so you can get it produced. I'm like, you have not done your research. <laughs> I am not in that position. More I what I, like you get it too, right? So, yeah. and it's a shotgun approach. It's just like, I'm just going to, I'm going to spam Bam. everybody yeah. and hopefully something will happen. And generally speaking, nothing ever does because you're pissing off. If you're a professional in this business, it pisses you off and you'll never look it's, at that person again or work with that person.
2: No, it's spam. It's, yeah. it's spam. Yeah. That, that's why, like I said earlier, strategize, have a strategy, um, find who you think this works for and then send them the query if you have to. And uh, and then go from there, but I think networking is is is, is an even better alternative, and, and and building those relationships within the industry. I mean, because nepotism is real, but oh. you know, you know, if you're if you're working your way through the industry and you start getting your reputation, like I did, where like, hey, this guy is he's got something. I mean, I was going to film festivals. I was at a film festival in London, um, and I ended up not going to any of the, any of the screenings because I was like. Eh. Uh, So I'm sitting in the lobby and a director came up to me and he's like, hey, uh, what are you doing? I'm a writer. And he had a script with him and he's like, I have issues. And I'm like, well, I'm bored. So then I look at the script, you know, and I give him notes on it. Well, the next thing you know, I'm holding court at this film festival and I have people literally, Alex, running to me with scripts in hand, handing them to what do you think of this? And I spent my time in London doing that, just looking at scripts and 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 some gigs came out of
0: that, I'm assuming.
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, and then people start liking you and it just builds your reputation. So, I mean, things like that are are priceless
0: without without question, man. Um, All right. I'm going to ask you a few questions. I ask all of my guests. Sure. What advice would you give a screenwriter wanting to break into the business today?
2: Yeah, um, it takes time. It just takes time. You've got to put it in. It's the long game. It's the long game, man, and everybody says it. I say time, talent, and tenacity personally. So how long can you go for? Can you build your skill and are you are you strong willed enough enough or like me pig headed enough to really, really stick it out and, and take take the damage. You know what I mean? Sometimes you get feedback when you're just starting out that is brutally personal. And I remember going to to the Grab a drink a few times with the buddy and be like, oh, man, this was rough, you know, but you just kind of get through it. And then you go, do I really want to do this? And if you do, you stick it out and eventually you will get there. But it's not going to be pretty and it's not easy. It could take 10 years. It could take 15 years. But if you think you're going to break out tomorrow, one I pray that you don't because you're not ready for it. You don't have the tough skin. So if yeah. you break out tomorrow, I really worry about you because I don't know how well you're going to handle the system. You know, you kind of have to develop the shell around you, not in a rude way, but in a like – and not in a – they don't understand my genius way. You need
0: shrapnel. You need some shrapnel. Yeah. You need there some scarring. You need some shrapnel. You need some – some. you need the, the, that rhinoceros skin. and Yeah, I agree. And, and, yeah that's and, it. The, that's, yeah, I, this is my, this is my, this is my brand, sir. This is exactly, <laughs> this is like, I always tell people, I'm, I'm, like, I, I, I'm like, I'm like, I've like, I tell people all the time, I'm like the reason why there's a grizzled voice on the other end of this podcast <laughs> is because I've, I've got shrapnel, lots yeah. of it, uh, in my, in my, in my body. So, uh, and, and it's just kind of like that, uh, being a kid star, like that's why so many kids stars don't break out eventually from being kid stars because it's just too much, it's too much, and you can't handle it. And it's kind of like I've never swung a bat before, but now you're on the New York Yankees lineup, and you're batting, you're batting fourth. Like, but I've never swung a bat. But you're here, you're at the show. But yes. you, you're just so unready. Like you see baseball on TV, <laughs> <laughs> it seems easy enough. I mean, and you just swing the bat, and the ball goes somewhere. No, I. It's just that easy, but it's a, it, I completely 100% agree with you. I'd I yeah, rather, rather take some a little bit more time. And I think that's only when you're young, you don't want to go through this. But when you're older, you go, ah, you needed to go through this. You need, you need yeah. it. You need those I mean, obstacles. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. I had a full head of hair when I started, man. I'm 25, dude. Look at me. You look good. (laughs) No, I do not, sir. I look horrendous for 25. I look fantastic (laughs) for 65, but I look horrible for 25.
2: (laughs) Oh, yeah. I think we're the same age, and I get 50 a lot, and I'm
0: like, oh, come on. Son of a bitch. I haven't gotten that yet. I'm some. No. No, I haven't gotten 50 yet. No one has had the balls to call me out 50 um, yet. But uh it's uh it was because I'm vegan, that's why. But uh <laughs> oh, I, I clean living, baby. Clean clean living, man, clean living. <laughs> <laughs> all those impossible burgers. Uh, so, <laughs> oh, god. <laughs> they are tasty, don't get me started. Um, um all right, so what was the book that had the biggest impact on your life or career?
2: Oh, um, yeah, I gotta go with. I'm gonna. I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna go with uh, with screenplay. Yeah, that was the yeah. first book so guys, I read yeah. on screenwriting, and that yeah blew my mind. And then from there, that led into you know like story, and then it led into like yeah. the hero with a thousand faces, and then I was well into the rabbit hole, my friend. And I was like, well, I'm not coming out of this for a decade, you know. And then I was just like in it. Because when I do something, I have to. So I'm weird like this. I can't just learn something. I have to break it down to the genesis of it. Like, where did this start? Where did this come from? Because oh, that's how I have to understand something.
0: It's a lifetime. That's a lifetime.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, so I just spent like a decade really diving into this stuff, going into the monomyth, and then kind of seeing how the different. Master screenwriters kind of took parts of the monomyth and then kind of called it their own. And then tracking that was actually fun to me because I've been recently I was called a screenwriting geek and it's incredibly appropriate. Um, And so, yeah, I'd say that was that was the entry to my to my journey on this.
0: Now, what is the lesson that took you the longest to learn, whether in the film business or in life?
2: Oh, that I needed to be better. That I wasn't, you know, this screenwriting genius because I actually had an early success in screenwriting. Like uh, I, op- I optioned my first screenplay.
0: It's easy. The, all of them should be the, like exactly right. <laughs> that's the worst thing that could happen to you because then it you was awful because that's because that's the only reference point you have to the business. Like, th- why is everyone talking about this? this? Is super easy. You just write yeah. it and it gets
2: optioned. I just shit. optioned it's- it. Yeah, it was in Detroit. We had incentives for a while. They were filming everything here, like you know, like the Dark Knight and all uh, that yeah. stuff. And so there was a studio here that, uh, that optioned my very first screenplay, and I was like, "Oh, this is great." We did a table read, you know, did the whole show, and oh, okay, great. And then the then we got a new mayor in, and then the incentives disappeared. And I'm not kidding you. A week later, the studio folded. Of course. And then I had like a ten year dry period after that. I was like, okay, so this is this is you know. I guess I'm not this genius. This isn't how it's supposed to be this easy. And my first, uh,
0: my first short film. I'll never forget this. My first short film, which went on to have a lot of success, but my first short film, the first film festival I got into, I won, and I'm like, "This oh, is wow. easy." What are you talking about? This is Everybody great. does this. Did not win an award for like fifty other screenings, like fifty other festivals had to go through before. I mean, it did it did was a very successful film eventually, but right. I didn't win another festival of 50 like 50 submissions or some 50s screenings. and you're that
2: and you're that guy at the festival like oh yeah it's my first piece it's my first work and okay. and then I want it. and and everybody else is like eh, this, this guy, this, come on. Son this, guy right? this,
0: <laughs> this son of a this right this son of a now what did you learn from your biggest failure
2: um so yeah one I, I would say that um, you can't please everybody, <laughs> you know, that, that a lot of this craft is subjective and not objective. And mm-hmm. so you're going to get work in front of people that, um, people are going to hate. Um, I, I, did this script that was very much like a Tarantino esque. It, it was a Rashomon style, three different stories coming mm-hmm. together, interweaving, you know, really difficult, a lot of fun. Structure was cool. And I would get like personal attacks from people, you know. <laughs> and I said, like, "What the hell's going on?" I mean, people complaining about my characters, what they do after the story, and I'm like, "But the script's over, and you're talking about like a month later. I didn't write any of that, you know." And then I, one of my uh, future mentors, he said, "Well, you know, it's probably pretty good." Yeah. So I sent it to him, and it was Richard Brandis, and he's worked on a lot of great stuff. And then he read it. He's like, "Oh man, you've got some skill." And so then he he took me under his wing. Um, and and the same with like Adele Weston, he took me under his wing as well. When, when he when he read that type of stuff that I did, so uh, the then I ended up thinking about like, well, why was it? And it's because my characters were hitting that emotional core with the with the audience. I was making them feel, and they were getting pissed about it because they didn't like the ending. Um, and so that's when I, I started to take away from that. Yeah.
0: yeah, very cool. Now, what was the biggest fear you had to overcome to write your first screenplay? <laughs> there's just for everyone not watching this, there's a smile on his face. <laughs> it's,
2: so and I actually want to equate this to the book as well, if you don't mind, because sure. it's the audacity to create something to say that you're good enough to do this be like yes. who is this guy? This guy's writing a screenplay, you know. Like same thing like the book. Who is this guy thinking that he's good enough to write a book? You know, it's it's that it's that audacity I had to get over and, and not be like I'm a screenwriter now, you know. And like just to, just to just get into the craft and really enjoy it and and leave that ego out of it.
0: Oh, it's it, it, there's a little bit of ego in this business. Just a slight bit of ego in this business that we deal with, and let alone our own egos. Uh, oh, yeah. kind of like when you get your first screenplay options, like instantly, <laughs> I'm sure you, it's like it's not uh, a big deal. I'm sure you were a little difficult to be around during those days. I'm sure.
2: <laughs> I just, like you said, I just thought it was like totally normal. Like this, how you write a screenplay and someone wants it. I mean, isn't that how it works? You know, I mean, it was, and then life just beat me down for like years on end.
0: <laughs> and I think life did that on purpose. Of so like, let's give them a taste. So he doesn't have his guard up and then all of a sudden we're gonna just clock him across the face. Like Mike Tyson says, great quote. Everyone's got a plan until you get punched in the face. And it's so, so, so true. Um how
2: how bad does this guy want it? You know, I think that was But that that but that's
0: but that's isn't that a definition of this business? Like, how bad do you want it? Like because absolutely And every aspect of this business, being a cinematographer, being a director, being a writer, being a producer, whatever aspect you're trying to go after in this business, it's all about how bad do you want it? How much are you willing to put up with? How long are you willing to hustle? Absolutely. The tenacity of it. And as as the famous Rocky Balboa said in Rocky Balboa, how hard can you get hit and keep moving forward? And it's, I mean, it's so true it's so true. Um, and that's what this business is all about and and yeah. I, when I talk to kids man when they're coming up and they got the stars left in their eyes, that's why I always, I always any time I meet someone like that, I beat them down right there. And I do it in a very <laughs> loving and I do it in a very loving and constructive way because I and I tell them after I'm done doing it, <laughs> I'll go I rather you get it from me than when you're sitting in a room with someone who can actually do something for you, and then you've ruined that opportunity. I'd rather you hear it from me. I was at a festival the other day, I was up on a panel, and this filmmaker, I swear to God, he comes up and he's like, and there's like a bunch of power hitters on this panel. Like, these guys are all like, they can green green line a movie tomorrow. You know, the 20, 30, $40 million guys, right? Mm -hmm. And this kid's like, he raises up his arm, he's like, so how can I get you guys to watch my short film that's in the festival? And I just, I, I mean, we all, and then you saw Everybody them. They kind of sank. They're all awkward. They, like all the guys are awkward because they, they don't want to deal with it. I, I'm used to this. I'm used to filmmakers. I know how to deal with it. So, and I said, well, I go first off. You don't do that. Uh, <laughs> you don't, you don't, you don't just walk up to somebody you've never met before and it's like, do me a favor. Like you don't do that. You need to provide value to that person before. Yep and build a relationship with that person. Then later on in the, in, in the panel, he raises his hand up again. And before he, I answer him, I go, we're not going to watch your, We're not watching your short. And the whole, <laughs> place, the whole
1: place just went
0: down. <laughs> and, and, and the guys on the panel are like, dude, you're brutal. I'm like, I rather them get it from me now when, rather than when they're in the room with you.
2: <laughs> you know, you just said something that is really a great point though. And, and, um, I and mean, I talked about this actually when I, I did a seminar recently in Vegas. Um, Providing value. When I network with people, it's not about read my script. It's about providing the value of what they need. How can I help you? So it's not about what I need, it's what I can do for you. And when I network with people, I make sure that um they get that vibe from me because I'll listen to them and you know everybody wants to talk about themselves, everybody wants to talk about their project. So mm-hmm. I'll listen, I'll ask some probing questions and eventually I'll learn like, hey, you know, I heard you know I heard about the, your issue with character development and I'm actually pretty good at that. I'd be happy to take a look at your script. And next thing you know, you're working with that person. They're hiring you for a gig. You know, mm-hmm. so that's that's yeah, that's a great point, man.
0: Yeah. Being a value is the first thing I ever tell anybody in this business because it's like that's but that's all I was that guy. I was that when I was coming up, when I was younger, I would walk up to somebody of, of any sort of power and you could feel the desperation. You could smell it. Oh, it, was, it just comes it, off, it just <laughs> comes off oh, of you, the you desperation, the like, yeah. can I get mm-hmm. your card? Can I get, yeah. yeah, the eyes are open. Can I get yeah. your card? I, I, can you read my script? Can, yeah. I mean, I've got, and then you start going into the pitch and you've just met this person.
2: Yeah. You haven't even gotten their name yet.
0: Oh, and now like my radar for that stuff is so like within a second, I'll be like, dude, just stop just stop. we had uh,
2: we had very similar journeys <laughs> uh,
0: I, I don't think it's unique dude we all we, we all i think we all start when we're young like you know tarantino was yeah. like he said at the very beginning like he couldn't get arrested in this town and he was literally <laughs> always looking through the window at the party like no one would even look at he was desperate to get his stuff seen but his talent finally rose to the top and somebody yeah. i think it was tony scott it was tony scott was the first one who bought um true I romance mean. yeah he brought yeah. true romance and then oliver stone bought natural born killers and then that's how it kind of, and then he started doing, um, rewrites and script doctoring and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. But, uh, but it took, and how long was, he was in his mid thirties when he, yeah. when he finally got hit, you know, he was, yeah. it, took, it took a minute. It's a, t- it took yeah.
2: a minute. I'd, I'd rather have a late start, honestly, to have the, ma- the maturity behind me and be able to handle it, you know,
0: without question in this business. Now I'm gonna ask you the last question, the, the hardest question of all three of your favorite films of all time. Uh, the fountain. I love The Fountain. Oh, it's yeah. so under, 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 uh, under, um, underappreciated.
2: Oh it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's literally a beautiful film.
0: Oh, Darinowski, um, Darinowski is a genius.
2: Uh, you're going to laugh at this one. Um, what? Return of the Jedi. Over Empire? Dude.
0: Oh, come on. Just, it's the emotional. It's, it's it the Ewoks. Was, it's, it's the emot- a, it's a SCF and we Ewoks, isn't it? It's the Ewoks. You, it's no, like- <laughs> I
2: saw it in the theater when I was a kid. I, I and, did too. And There's a whole story behind it. Oh. And and then there was, at the theater I was at, there was a Darth Vader walking up and down the aisleway. And I actually crawled over people to get to him. And as he walked by, I touched him. And so that, it's just that emotional. Yeah. So it has, no, like,
0: oh, so it has less different. to do with the movie. It has yeah, more not- <laughs> to do with your personal experience. Got it. I love Return of the Jedi. I think Return of the Jedi is fun. But when you compare it to Empire, it's a, you know, but I get it.
2: (laughs) Yeah. No, I see. And what's the third one? Oh my God. Um, you're going to make me think pretty hard now because I never really consider, I love, I love all movies. Um, let's go with, I, I, I'd say, yeah, nah, it wasn't Empire. Um, yeah,
0: I don't know, man. I'd have to just think about movie, it. Just any movie, any, just any movie. Just, just name a movie Matrix. that you it comes to your head right now. It doesn't it, you're not like we're not going to put it on your gravestone, dude. It's okay.
2: The Matrix.
0: There you go. The Matrix. The Matrix is my top 5. Is I always it? use Yeah, Matrix is in oh. my top 5. I always my top 5 uh number 1 is always Shawshank. That's always going to be my number yeah, one. I, I I, one. I, Shawshank, uh, Fight Club. Um Fight Club, the uh, the Matrix. Pulp Fiction, Pulp Fiction salad. Um, God, what's the? F- I mean, I could, I could, I mean, I can. Then, then now it's a free for all. I could throw. Empire yeah, I mean, because now know, it's a free for all. So many films, you know. But Fight Club, Fight Club, uh, Fight Club specifically, I just freaking love. I mean, I love Seven too. I think Seven is amazing. I mean,
2: I, I mean, I like the Sixth Sense. You know, that was a huge one for me back the in the Sense. day because I was like, oh my god,
0: you know, my, mine was blown, of course
2: yeah
0: spoiler alert he sees dead people but uh he's actually dead the whole time the whole time don't tell anybody (laughs) and if if i get any angry emails it's over like almost 30 years old at this point isn't it like so it's it's, but i was gonna watch it next week (laughs) exactly i've never seen this movie um now where can people find you and your book and and uh all the wares that you have sir
2: yeah, so the guide for every screenwriter is uh, is on Amazon. It's on Barnes and Noble. Um, there's the guide for every screenwriter com. You can find me at um, wefixyourscript.com, dot because that's that's the brand that that I run, right. um, and I also uh, run the Script Summit Screenplay Contest as well, which is uh, top twenty biggest screenplay contest by the Script Lab. Mm-hmm.
0: Awesome, dude. Well, man, listen, it's been a pleasure. I'm sure we could talk for at least another two, three hours, uh, yeah. which is always a sign of a good guest uh, when we, we could just keep chatting and chatting. So, Alex, thanks, Alex. That's
2: great. Yeah,
0: I, I appreciate it, man. So thanks again for dropping the, those knowledge bombs on uh, on the tribe today. And Hopefully, we've done some good here today. Maybe we've saved some egos. Maybe we've helped somebody along their path a little bit. And things that you and I take for granted, they might have just gone, huh, so so don't, don't yell out, read my script, huh? That's not a... <laughs> Don't do that, Yeah, huh?
2: Yeah, don't run after them.
0: And, and don't approach them in the restroom.
2: Yeah.
0: If we could take, That's if good. there's a, because there was a cornucopia of things we learned in this <laughs> episode. <so. laughs> man, it was a pleasure having you on the show, brother. Yeah,
2: really appreciate it, man. Nice to meet you.
0: As I promised, Jeffrey Calhoun brought the pain and brought the knowledge bombs on the tribe today. Thank you so much, Jeffrey, for all your amazing knowledge. And if you want links to anything I talked about in this episode, including all of his amazing services that he offers screenwriters, head over to the show notes at IndieFilmHustle.com forward slash BPS056. And I also have links for those in the screenwriting resources page on Indie Film Hustle. Now, guys, I'm also working on a a little project just for the screenwriting tribe, just for the Bulletproof Screenwriting Tribe. I am going to be coming out with some big stuff, hopefully in the next two to three months uh, for you guys specifically. I think it's due, it's time, and I'm going to be bringing... Just an insane amount of value to you guys coming up. So please keep an eye out for that. If I were you, I would be very excited. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening so much. I really do appreciate it. You guys have made this show one of the top screenwriting podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and all other major podcasting platforms. And I am humbled and thank you so much for all the reviews. If you haven't reviewed this show yet and have not subscribed yet, please head over to screenwritingpodcast.com, subscribe and leave an honest review for the show. It really, really helps us out on the rankings. I truly, truly appreciate it. Thank you again so much. As always, keep on writing no matter what. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Bulletproof Screenwriting Podcast at
1: BulletproofScreenwriting.tv.